Welcome to another episode of the I Am Podcast. I'm Johnny Wilkinson and I really appreciate you being here with me today. I've got a very special offer from our podcast partner that I don't think you're going to want to miss. As you know by now at I Am, we're passionate about exploring performance and potential. We often look at this through the body, how the food we consume affects us. And this is why we've partnered with Vivo Life, who have devoted themselves to understanding how our nutrition plays a significant role in our growth, both physically and mentally. Their products are formulated by nutritionists and are 100% natural, making them the perfect choice for anyone looking to take their well-being to the next level. A big favourite at the Iron Podcast is their Perform Plant Protein, especially in cacao flavour, and their plant-based Omega-3 made from high-potency algae oil. Whichever you choose, you'll quickly understand why Vivo Life products are award-winning when you try them out. Plus, their products are delivered straight to your doorstep via carbon-neutral delivery. Vivo Life really embodies the spirit of our podcast, and we're really keen for you guys to try the products yourselves. So they agreed to run their biggest ever discount exclusively for I Am listeners. The code is I Am Podcast, all in capital letters, which will give new customers 40% off their first order and a further 15% off when they subscribe. The offer ends soon, so don't miss out. Check out their full range of products at www.vivolife.co.uk to discover how they can help you unlock your full potential. Hi, and thank you for joining me here on the I Am podcast, where we are all about peace, performance, and potential. This week's guest on the main episode is James Nestor. He's a journalist and an author who's been busy following his passion and curiosity into some pretty inspiring spaces and spreading some pretty big messages too. His most recent book, Breathe, looks deeply into this most fundamental enlightening skill that we all possess. He's been creating a storm and selling big all around the world and with good reason too. James recognizes he's not a scientist, He doesn't claim to be a specialist teacher of breathing, anything like that. But for me, his personal quest and his subsequent discoveries, they hold, I think, the power to guide us towards major transformation. That is, if we're ready to do our part too, which means questioning ourselves and remaining open to everything around us. This conversation that I've had with James Nestor, absolutely fascinating. I love having my eyes open to new opportunities like this. It's so inspiring and energizing. He goes on to talk about so much more in the podcast, longevity, how it's related to the size of the lungs and how we ourselves can actually train and help our lungs to grow and to embrace more and more of life. There's so much about the way we've evolved. It's fascinating. I hope you get to enjoy it. I hope also you continue to follow the podcast and keep your responses and feedback coming in because it just makes it such an incredible journey. Anyway, until the next one, I want to wish you really, really well and uh, have an amazing week. My name is Johnny Wilkinson. This is the I Am Podcast with James Nestor. James Nestor, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Amazing to have you on this podcast and really excited about everything that we've got to discuss. This podcast is about human potential and I think your speciality, all the work you've put in and devoted yourself to is a massive, massive part of that. So first of all, hi, how are you? And uh, good to have you with us. 
Doing all right. How are you? <laughs> yeah, very good. Thank you. Good. Thanks for coming on the podcast. And so would you mind giving us a little bit of a, a background, your way, how you want to present yourself, just in terms of how you've come to be here um, and be looking into the things you're looking into and, and clearly so passionate about? Well, there's the long story and the short story. Uh, I guess I'll give you the medium story and you can just nod if I'm <laughs> dragging on too long. But I'm a science journalist. I've been a science journalist for a long time, for, for a couple of decades. And I was having a number of respiratory issues years ago. I mean, this was 12 years ago, almost 11 years ago. And every time I would go to my doctor, I was given a pack of antibiotics and sent on my way. And I said, well, why does this keep happening? I keep coming back year after year with bronchitis or mild pneumonia. I was wheezing when I was working out. I thought I was a healthy person, you know, eating all the right foods and sleeping eight hours a night, exercising all the time. But I kept having respiratory issues and they said, welcome to old age. That, that was their, their answer. And I believed them for a number of years until I just suspected something was, was off. There's only so many antibiotics you, you can chomp down without starting to wonder if this is really a, a solution to the core problem. And so luckily I had a doctor friend who suggested breathwork as a way of learning how to control my respiratory function better, learning how to take deeper, slower breaths. And it really did a lot for me, not only physically, but also mentally. And I thought there is probably a story in here. My agent disagreed. And for years and years, she called it one of the worst book ideas she'd ever heard. <laughs> so that's my life. Yeah. yeah. And it didn't turn out to be too bad a book idea, did it? I think uh, we'll talk about your book coming up because um, it's it's a huge piece of work. And I think it, it, it holds such power as well. And And part of what you said already really fascinates me because there is a really strong narrative around age and getting older and that this I am who I am and life just gets harder as you get older and for me being someone that came from my background in in sport the, the concept is around the fact when you get more time to practice it you should be getting better at it and I've always found that so limiting and suffocating a kind of truth that apparently you know as as your body may be ages that this means that who you are has to I guess diminish with it and the capacity of that so that's already a fascinating start but yeah so talking about that book breath the the whole power of it, I think it's huge 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 thing and, and I want to ask you how you arrived at you mentioned that book idea because the first book I think well, it might not have been your first book, but certainly the book that preceded that was called deep wasn't it I think and that already had a bit of a link towards the breath work I think or maybe some kind of trigger towards the interest in breath as well did it or was that uh, a, a different side story yeah what's what's funny about the how these books came out is i was actually getting very interested in in breathing for my own personal health before i ever had any inkling of an idea to write that book and then right in the middle of my respiratory issues i was sent to greece by a magazine called outside which is a sports adventure magazine here in the u.s and they wanted me to write about free diving, which was something I, I've been near the water. I surf all the time. I swim all the time, but I've never been free diving. I've I never actually had seen anyone do it. And so once I was out there watching these people, you know, dive down to 120 meters on a single breath and do these things that are supposed to be impossible. A lot of them were old, by the way. So it yeah. made me as, a, <laughs> as an older person feel pretty good about that. And, you know, some of them were overweight. Some of them were skinny. Some of them were tall. Some of them were short. 
uh, it didn't matter. And they all had developed this skill to do this thing that was supposed to be biologically impossible. And it was through meeting these free divers and learning that once you start controlling your breathing, once you start understanding it, you can not only use it to hold your breath for six, seven, eight minutes at a time, but you can also use it to heal your body of chronic illnesses and also to heat your body up when you're cold. This sounds crazy, but all the science checked out. And I thought, oh my God, what have we been missing here? That's funny. When I was in the south of France, we, I played rugby down there for five years, right on the water. And someone there, a specialist in free diving, who had history and competitions and actual national kind of level stuff, took me out. Really, really great guy. And, and I followed him and I felt so challenged by the idea. Here was me, someone that spent my life training to become a high level athlete like you said about the aesthetics of how I looked, how I walked, the, the, I could name every muscle in the body. I could run forever. I could lift things, but this guy dropped down. Not only did he drop down effortlessly, but he stayed down there. And by the time I got down to where the fish were to have a look, I had to go back up to get a breath. I couldn't even stay long enough to even check it out. And here, when I went down and came back up, three or four times he was still down there beckoning me down to say come down but you know come and have a look and I like you said they're not built in this cultural or conventional sort of idea we have of what fit and healthy looks like and a lot of my journey behind this podcast is realizing that yes I was fit and functional in a certain way but not at all healthy and I'm wondering about the power of the breath in that health and and part of that health and well-being with looking at potential is looking at the evolution of health and well-being and, and the limitless nature of it, which I think is the most fascinating part. And breathing for me with its spiritual roots in, in terms of all this, the capacity to enter new dimensions of experience um, through the, the breath work, through the awareness of the breath, through that kind of mix of complete relaxation and de-stressing and, and joining with the breath. It fascinates me that you've gone on this journey with breath and had a look at the evolution of perhaps the breath and health and well-being in the other direction, how we've limited ourselves. And I think this is a large part of what we look at on this podcast is what are the limits? And I'm fascinated because you've called it the, the new science of a lost art, that we've lost that art. What have you seen on your journey and where have you been? What, what have been your influences into that de-evolution, if you like? Well, I think your experience freediving was exactly my experience freediving because what I had learned about sports growing up was that it was all about pushing through who could survive pushing harder and harder and harder all the time. And that works, especially when you're young, that works. You can keep pushing. You can push harder than the next person. You can win a race. But how sustainable is that, right? And I think this is one of the reasons why athletes back in the day would burn out by 25, 26. They were just toast. They were metabolically dysfunctional. You saw them gaining weight. You saw them getting all these diseases because they pushed so hard. <laughs> and one thing I learned about freediving that I thought was so important is, yes, it's a sport. It's an extreme sport. I'm not too hip on the competitive side of freediving. I think it's pretty irresponsible, I'll be honest. But freediving is a sport in which the person who can let go the most wins. So the person who can push less that is who the winner is going to be. If you try to push, push, push freediving, you're never going to make it. Just like your experience, trying to push down there further, getting frustrated, trying it again, pushing harder, nothing working. It just doesn't work that way. And I think that once you start adopting different breathing patterns and you start understanding it, you realize 
that sports performance, any kind of performance, yes, pushing is a very important part of that, but also letting go is an equally as important part. And I think this is what really controlling your breathing and acknowledging the power of breath allows you to do. I know that sounds a little flimsy and new agey until you do it, until you look at the data, until you measure what happens to your body when you change your breathing, when you're performing in sports or even focusing on something. And it's very clear this can have a huge impact on your well-being and overall health. And what have you seen? I know that you said the science is starting to back this, and, and I know with your book, you've been in contact with scientists, but also looking into historically as well around tribes and the way the bodies become shaped. And I'm very fascinated by this kind of thing that that even looking around, my brother and I actually work in this in this field of health and well-being and looking at it from a very much a let-go perspective, you know, the idea about diet and or diet nutrition and exercise and movement and posture and then rest and recovery and breathing, all these things, not at any depth that you're talking about. But none of that works unless you underpin the journey with a de-stressing relaxation awareness journey because you look around and we're almost adding to that closing down mechanism we sit around screens and we hunch over you see people walking in the street they're hurrying eyes down the very nature of that is to say you know if you said to someone take a deep breath no one leans forward and hunches over and kind of you know tucks their head between their 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 knees but we are almost bracing for this constant hit this survival as you mentioned and I'm, I'm wondering what what have you seen historically that's shown to be part of this movement you know what's what's the evidence we can see for this kind of I guess conditioning away from optimum breathing well I think if you look at the environment in which we live today it resembles nothing in in the way that we evolved in right we're so completely divorced from the environment in which the human body naturally evolved it wasn't that long ago that we were just naturally having to walk 10,000 steps a day without counting it on a pedometer. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago that we were always eating whole foods because those were the only foods that, that were around. You know, it wasn't that long ago that we were really paying attention to our posture because if your posture was, was toast, you couldn't work out in, in a field. And if you couldn't work out in a field, you couldn't get any food. So one of the most fascinating things that I discovered working with anthropologists and working with other scientists was to find these populations of indigenous people who still didn't have all the mod cons that we have today. They weren't in front of screens all day. Uh, they don't have electricity and they don't have respiratory issues. They don't have heart disease. They don't have diabetes. They don't have lower back problems. They don't have foot problems. <laughs> they don't have any of the, the vast majority of issues that all of us, almost all of us are contending with today. And it wasn't because they were put on some prescribed fitness program. It's because they weren't around all the crap that we're surrounded by all the time and all the stressors, be that stressors from artificial light or stressors from having to sit in front of a computer for 10 hours a day, like I do, or stressors from having pollen and pollution in the air everywhere you go. So my view of health, at least the view that I got through them is like, this stuff isn't that complicated. It's just about peeling back the layers of the industrialized world and putting yourself into a more natural state. 
And as far as breathing is concerned, that means having good posture. That means breathing mostly through your nose. That means not snoring at night. Um, all the things we aren't doing. And so that was really the first tip I got that this book was something much stranger than I had thought it was going to be. When you see that the vast majority of diseases that we're contending with today just weren't around a few hundred years ago. And my God, what, what have we done to ourselves and how can we get that back? The momentum of that shift feels like in a way, in some areas you could say the shift is, is almost working back into that more expansive, relaxed area, but very much within the core of the capitalist, industrialist kind of side of things. It's actually still accelerating, you know, people's identity is still very much linked into material wealth and achievement and what they do and the fulfillment and everything. And, and in a way, it's to understand the strength of those habits is really interesting because even just today, you know, before I came on this call, I was, I was, you know, I love to do a bit of training and working out and what have you. And I was doing a bit of a, an interval session running on a sort of a treadmill. And in between, I was working very much on the nasal breathing, which I want to talk to you about. And it's fascinating that I, this isn't the first time I've come across breathing work, not in, in the, not being able to discuss it in the depths that, that we're going to talk to or, or the way we're going to talk about it. But even still, you hear about it and you think, wow, what a great idea. That could change my life. And then it's gone. And then six months later, you think, wow, what a great idea. This could change my life. For me, it's often been around that key message that sort of where it sinks in enough to say, well, hold on. What do you think is going to happen if you don't go here? Because we've got a lot of evidence for that. We've got a lot, lot of evidence to see where this is going. Like you said, the chronic nature of the diseases, the illness, the ailments, the shaping of society and everything. We've got all that. But we haven't sort of necessarily gone into that unknown space of just sitting and becoming more aware. And I find that fascinating. But the strength of that habit and that pull is really, really, I think, powerful to just hold on to that awareness. What, what for you has caught hold? Why has this become one of those things you can't forget? What's become the personal touch for you? I think that we're completely inundated with tips to improve our health every single day like oh take this vitamin take that supplement walk this way lift these weights all that stuff works well most most of it works but it, again as i was saying before i just don't know if it needs to be that complicated and we're really good at overcomplicating things and we're really good at hiding little secrets that people then have to purchase through a paywall to, to find out that the secret to good health, uh, here's my tip <laughs> on how to lose weight. But with breathing, what was so convincing to me, at least initially that, that convinced me, I really wanted to spend how many years writing this book, you know, five, six years writing this book was that you can, anyone at home can do very simple breathing practices. And one good thing about the industrial age is most of us have these wearables that can track our heart rate. They can track our oxygen in our bloodstream. They can track our HRV. They can even track brain waves. And these things are easily accessible. That just changing your breathing for a few breaths and then for a few minutes, you can watch this cascade of different things happen to your body. You can watch your heart rate decrease. You can oftentimes watch your blood oxygen increase. You can watch your blood pressure decrease. 
You can watch your HRV increase like on and on by just a few breaths. And I thought, wow, if I can do this sitting here in my office after a few breaths within a minute to have such a profound transformation occur in my body, what would happen if you improve your breathing after a couple of weeks or after a couple of months? And I went out and found people who demonstrated that. And these are people who were able to overcome either significantly reduce or just completely obliterate chronic issues that they were contending with. This won't work for everybody because everyone's different, but you will only get a net gain from improving your breathing. Just like you'll only get a net gain from improving your diet or improving your exercise. For some people, that's transformative. For other people, it's much more subtle, but who doesn't want to feel a little better for something that is totally free that you can do at any time? The, the wearables, having that tracking, I think is really interesting because in my career, what was very easy to do was go and do the measurables. If I could get in the gym and lift something, I could see immediately that's what I've lifted. I spent a long, long time, mostly through insecurity. In fact, 90% through insecurity as opposed to the passion to improve practicing and kicking balls around but being able to see the ball go from here to there was that tick in the box that made me motivated me to say I'm doing the right thing I can go and breathing is maybe without the subtle awareness of what's happening in the body it can be a little bit sort of abstract it's a bit like I'm doing it but what's happening but like you said to have that that tracking opportunity I think is huge and I don't know if you'd actually knew anything about me before this but when you mentioned about people burning out around 24 25 I did at 24 I went six years and then I had four entire years of injury 13 different injuries in a row and as I said a lot of my issues were based around this uh, very much great need to to come back and and please and reach expectations and fulfill my own expectations. There was a monstrous stress around that. And in my recovery, I was given access to every kind of supplement, every kind of uh, exercise, every kind of ice treatment, all these things. But one thing that was never even on the scale was to func- look at my breathing in any way. Now, I would love you just to talk a little bit about what you found out about breathing and how that could be net gain or transformative, whatever it is. But one thing I know for sure is that to involve myself in that breathing would have also allowed me, as it has done in my life now, to explore patience, to explore my ability to respond and to explore the nature of those fearful beliefs that whilst I was enslaved by them I kept them alive I never really challenged them to be able to sit and just do something as simple as this I would love to hear a little bit about the breathing in that way because what have you seen in terms of those transformative opportunities but also what's the secret you're finding out about breathing itself as much as you know people saying it gets more oxygen in and, and what have you but as a basic life force and an energy what can we actually know about breath more than what we come to as a basic idea that oh if I do that I guess maybe I'll have a bit of that you know what's what's the deeper level of that story well I was familiar with your story and love to say that you were an original in that department but <laughs> right. you're, I mean this is basically <laughs> the same yeah, exact course, story I've heard from every hardcore professional athlete and it just keeps repeating itself over and over and over 
so often that people just accept that once you've reached this certain age, you're done. You know, Tom Brady's starting to redefine that. People are like, oh, that guy's just weird. I was like, no, he's very careful. He's very careful with his health. He's letting go. He's pushing when he needs to, but he's also letting go. So I think that, you know, there's a bunch of different breathing techniques you can do, a bunch of different breathing practices. From what I've seen, they all work because they're all based around the central premise that when you breathe better, you are allowing your body to operate more efficiently. And so it doesn't matter if you're out on the pitch playing sports. It doesn't matter if you're at home watching Netflix. You want your body to be operating at an efficient level. Why do you want to overtax your body unnecessarily? Why would you want to be over-breathing when you're performing to make your heart rate go up, to make you more tired sooner because you're just constantly overdoing it? You don't want to do that. So all of these breathing techniques are allowing you to understand what your metabolic needs are and to match your breathing to those needs. We're told to constantly overdo it. Like breathing more gives you more oxygen, right? I want more oxygen. Totally false. You can actually deny yourself of adequate oxygen by over breathing, especially when you're working out. So it, it ties back into a lot of that push, push, push thing. If you start letting go, even at levels of very intense performance, you can actually gain more endurance. You can gain more efficiency. And again, I can tell you a zillion different ways to do this, but they're all means to the same ends, which is not to overtax your body unnecessarily and allow your body to properly recover and perform within that very closed system of efficiency. Yeah, that's really, really interesting because one thing I'm finding out as a coach now, and I coach very much through this exploration as opposed to the old formulaic idea of a yeah, one plus one equals two and add a bit more and add a bit more as you're talking about the kind of path of greater resistance but actually to find that path of least resistance and with that effortlessness which i think is an expression of genius often is it's kind of interesting you see it in sprinters being told when they want to go harder in that last 50 they're told just relax and, and the whole concept in your mind is but if i do that i'm done but it's like just see what happens same with boxing it's that kind of look relax find the rhythm find that tempo that natural tempo that balances you're talking about and i see it in very much in in what i coach as well that there's that balance about bringing that intensity that pushing you're talking about through the intention and the desire and the energy but actually from a physical perspective finding that equilibrium that balance where you aren't forcing it and that's that's fascinating. I, what I spend a lot of my time doing now is individual sort of challenge skills, things like shooting basketballs. And there's a rhythm you find that there's a relaxation that falls in line with breathing. And it, it equates a little bit to that zone that everyone speaks about where it almost becomes trance-like where you really connect with what you're doing. And I don't know if this is something with the free diving, with the surfing, that people find themselves in that space of what I would describe as absolute clarity because in sport what people are looking for is that that clear composed very engaged but still very very alert space and when you're in that 
overtax mode as you're talking about which I've been so much I spent so much of my time that I can see on a field in on a video I breathe through my mouth but I puff my cheeks up and then let it all out and then puff them up and let it all out and it's you can see what it's kind of the message it's portraying as to what's going on inside me is not at all that kind of relaxed expression of genius it's a survival mechanism it's fascinating that yeah that you say that and in terms of speaking about the breathing and and not overtaxing. I, I find it also fascinating about the role of the nose in that versus the mouth breathing. Like I said, one thing I noticed about me on the field was I was constantly building up, building up, building up, holding breath, holding breath, and then out, almost like relief, and then in again, and then holding out. And I mean, that's one step further than just mouth breathing. But what is, what's in that area there, the mouth versus the nose? Why is that such a big thing? Well, it's really hard to get into that flow state when you are breathing that way. I mean, I don't know of any meditation where you can sit and go <laughs> and focus. It doesn't work. And so the very first step to any meditation is to control your breathing, breathe rhythmically, breathe slowly. And so if that's true with meditation, it's certainly true with reaching those flow states when you're working out, to have a slow rhythm, to have something that your brain and body can lock into will allow you to enter into that state. And that's true with swimming when swimming is very rhythmic. It's true with jogging. Look at King Poji, you know, uh, making a two-hour marathon. Uh, the very last stretch his shoulders are extremely relaxed. He's breathing the majority of the air through his nose. He is completely chilled out. You cannot push at that state. So I think you're entirely right that if you are breathing this, this dysfunctional way, this stressful way, it will get you to where you want to be going for a little while. Okay. You'll, especially when you're young, you can push through the pain, but it will eventually break you down. So that slow rhythm, those deeper breaths, and by taking deeper breaths, we can take fewer breaths. And by taking fewer breaths, we can get more oxygen more easily. So who doesn't want that, especially performing? And that's what the nose really allows you to do. Along with filtering your breath and humidifying it, it slows the breath down. It's really hard to hyperventilate when you're breathing in and out of your nose. Like I can breathe a single breath in through my mouth like that, or I can breathe a breath in through my nose. Same breath. And that's how long it took to breathe through my nose. So a lot of people say, well, I'm going to get more oxygen breathing through my mouth. Not true because by allowing that breath to slow down, especially when you're exhaling it, you're creating pressure and that pressure is going to allow you to upload more oxygen more easily. We get about 20% more oxygen breathing through our noses than we do equivalent breath through our mouth. So if you think that's not going to make a difference in sports or in any level of performance or just living, you're, you're crazy. 20% increase in efficiency. So I think that that's really the first step. I want to be very clear because I know there's a lot of sports nuts listening to the podcast. <laughs> I'm not saying you have to breathe through your nose all the time. If you're entering zone four, zone five, if you're ready to make a goal, if you're really pushing it, who cares how you breathe? You can lock into mouth breathing consciously. You could say, now I reached the level where I really need more oxygen, more air. 
but then you can consciously turn it off when you don't need to be at that state. So this is a tool. It's like gears on a car, right? You're going to be shifting gears depending on how fast you're going. It's the same thing with sports. Yeah, that the word you used a couple of times there, consciously, I think that's the big part. And I think, as, as I was sort of saying before, that habitual thing where the so unconscious behaviors are taking over, a lot of what we sort of explore on this is just that awareness first of them and then the capacity, as you said, to to find some kind of intervention or, or or control to a degree, or at least to have a, a co-creative role in what's happening at that level is so, so important. But without the awareness, there needs to be that. And that awareness is so important. Whereas, like you said, in sport, you're so fixed on, again, the survival mode of where the next threat's coming from that you don't actually tap into the key part. You know, I work with kickers. And the first thing that's going on is, you know, I need to get this through. I don't want it to miss. I don't want this. I need to get you. Yeah, the last one did this. I need this. This is the score. I need to achieve this. And the and the secret is in finding that tempo. And the tempo is always less and slower than what you think it needs to be. Because there's this kind of built-in understanding that I need to put in so much to get so much out. It's fascinating that idea about one fully engaged sort of nasal breath is worth so many mouth and probably they're probably on different levels because of the quality of the air, like you said, that comes in through the nose is, is so big and that's such a, a huge opportunity. So in terms of looking at the breath as a, a health kind of opportunity, I'm very aware that breath can become a bit of a side issue. It's kind of like, right, well, I've got to do my diet. I've got to do this. What puts breath for you at the top? What puts breath for you at the beginning? Uh, you know, I don't know if, if breath is at the very top for me, but it needs okay. to be part part of the picture. No, I like a lot of people say, oh, you know, I just that guy just sits around breathing all the time. And that's all like, no, no, I don't. Well, we all do uh, in a, in, to a degree. A lot of, yeah, I, I guess if I didn't, I'd be in big trouble. <laughs> but I don't spend all my hours thinking about it or practicing uh, every single conscious breath. I think the big argument in the book is how many books are there on, on diet? right? A, a lot. There's probably millions of books on diet. How many books are there on, on exercise? Well, well, a lot. So we know that you need to have a good diet if you want to be healthy, and especially if you want to be fit. Okay. Everybody knows this by now. Same thing with exercise, right? You can't get away with just sitting around all the time. You have to exercise in some capacity. The body really likes that. But a lot of people have not been talking about breathing. They're saying if you have your diet locked in, if you have your sleep locked in, if you're exercising, you're good to go. Totally not the case. If your breathing is messed up, you're never, ever going to be healthy. Ever, ever. I know this. I can't tell you how many athletes I talk to with asthma who have constant respiratory issues, you know, that, that stops them from performing at, at their very top and who have so many other issues tied to that because they've been breathing dysfunctionally for so long. I don't think it's a coincidence that track runners oftentimes have a, a large, a significantly increased chance of having respiratory issues because a lot of them are just <sighs> overtaxing their lungs all the time. And it didn't used to be that way. So if this sounds like all crazy new agey stuff, just look at animals in the wild. Look at a cheetah. 
running at 100 kilometers an hour. How is it breathing? It's breathing into its diaphragm. It's breathing into its nose. Next time you're at a horse race, check out the horses breathing. They're breathing entirely through their nostrils. If you look at indigenous cultures, how are they breathing when they're running around? They're all breathing through their noses. So it, it's not nuts. We're just so divorced from it because we live in an environment that has so much pollution, so many problems that our noses are always, or for a lot of us, have we have chronic congestion. So this is another thing I just want to throw out as a caveat. So anyone listening to this who's a runner or you're really into sports, you say, okay, I'm convinced I'm going to go nasal breathing. This thing takes a long time, especially if you've been breathing through your mouth for, for 30 years, 20 years, whatever. It takes a really time to adopt this new habit. The good news is with all this conscious breathing we're talking about of controlling your breathing, default to mouth breathing, back to nasal breathing, a lot of people say, well, this is a total pain in the ass. I've got enough to, to think about throughout the day. Once you learn this habit, it becomes unconscious, but it takes a while to learn the habit. So you have to do the work at the beginning, but then you will notice when you're working out, you are no longer breathing through your mouth. Your body will know when it's time to default to mouth breathing or nasal breathing. And it's a beautiful thing. It just takes a while to get there. But it is fascinating though, when you think, okay, without food, we can last a week, more, a couple of weeks, whatever it is, without water, you know, we're talking days, but without breathing. <laughs> so fundamentally, what, what comes first? And if you're breathing all the way through your digestion, you're breathing all the way through your exercise, you're breathing all the way through your, your sleep, it's the beautiful constant. Like you said, I think we've heard you say 25,000 times a day. So why not start there with something you're doing 25,000 times a day? rather than work solely on that thing like I did, I played rugby for two hours a weekend. I devoted everything to something that I did for two hours a weekend and therefore sacrificed everything else into that unconscious stressed space. When what I look back at and realize is that when I was in that rhythm and I, if I'd have spent my time in that investigating that truer sense of what's at the, the originality or the the deepest level of my being, out of that comes this kind of performance you're talking about. And there's no doubt about that connection to the, to the flow state and the zone as well. And you were mentioning there just a little bit about the, the divorced sort of nature of, of ourselves from a little bit from planet you mentioned before about the whole foods and everything, this kind of almost processing. I see that on two levels. There's, there's the processing of everything, which almost is a step away from us connecting to, our roots literally but then there's the processing we do of everything on a mental level intellectually and logically trying to put together the answer to the unknown and all our challenges and those two types of processing seem to me to be the divorcing of that space and speaking about you know breathing being so important but what's happening at that dietary level is there something we can do from a dietary perspective that can actually help our breathing as opposed to starting as I've been saying with breathing? Well, I think the first thing that you can do is if you suffer from chronic congestion, which a huge percentage of the population does, sometimes that can be tied to allergies in food, uh, specifically dairy, which is why a lot of free divers just don't eat, eat dairy, especially before a competition, because it tends to clog up their respiratory systems, clogs up their noses, 
Um, it, it makes them not allowed to, to really take in that deep breath that they're used to. On diet, everyone is different. So it's really hard to offer a blanket prescription to everybody. I'm not a doctor, so I can't do that. But I've seen this time and time again with, with dairy, uh, specifically with dairy that isn't goat, sheep, or, or A2 protein dairy. Um, a lot of people have a mild allergy to this stuff, which keeps them clogged up and makes it much harder for them to breathe through their noses, especially at night. And this is one thing I want to mention about, you know, we spend a third of our lives sleeping. And if you're stressed out sleeping, your body is never, ever going to re recover. And I am so amazed by what a huge percentage of the population suffers from what's called sleep disordered breathing, which is snoring, or which is just a slight resistance in the airway or sleep apnea, or some other breathing problem, a huge percentage. And yet no one's talking about that. And so if you're breathing dysfunctionally in your sleep, it's of course going to carry over to your daytime and your performance. So I know that's not really answering your, your question, but I would look, look into dairy and I would look into allergies. I would look into seasonal allergies, which affects what 25% of the population. And I would find out what the core problem is to those allergies. Uh, you know, the core solution isn't to shoot stuff into your nostrils. That stuff works. Okay. Claritin and pills absolutely work. And there's a time and a place for them for sure. But what's the core reason? Why are you overreacting to these pollens or these foods? And once you figure that out, natural, easier breathing will naturally follow. And, and with regard to, I think that divorcing feeling for me is almost as I become more and have done in my, I can picture it now career-wise or outside of, of sport, when I'm in that processing state, I'm heavily mentally trying to think my way through life instead of that, as we're speaking about the breathing, the trance-like kind of almost flow state engagement with it. I can feel I'm in that stress space and I'm quite fascinated also in terms of how much maybe people are starting to recognise that the dis-ease, the imbalance, is that chronic, constant stressing of the body and how much breathing, as we were talking about that transformative nature, and maybe just the de-stressing capacity of it is going to be transformative for when our entire reality is based upon this idea that this is what life looks like. As we said before, this is what getting old looks like, when actually I think what the the actual narrative is based on is this is what stressing looks like. And I think the transformative opportunity is there. Imagine if you didn't stress. Now, this is so easy for me to say because there'll be people listening to this and people not listening to this who are facing ridiculous challenges in all kinds of ways. And of course, it's not a comment that everyone should be doing this, but it is an interesting concept. I, I used this story a couple of times. I spoke to a, a sort of enlightened yogis. Enlightened yogi who was saying that they slept only a couple of hours a night. And when asked, you know, well, how do you recover? The, the answer was, well, recover from what? And it's a beautiful concept that we don't factor into our thinking because we're so based on this. The world is, is this is how it is. And survival is the way through. What what's what are you seeing in terms of that disease and that breathing kind of 
relationship. Well, I think that's a beautiful quote from the yogis. And it reminds me of like the quotes that I've heard on diet. You know, a lot of people think that they can just eat like crap for a long time, reboot for a couple of weeks on a diet and go back to retoxing. You, you can do that. I guess it works to keep your weight in, in, in order, but it's not necessarily good for your body. If you're constantly eating well, there's no such thing called a diet. You're not, and you know, January 1st comes around. You're not like, oh my God, I have to do my, my cleanse that I'm going to tell everyone about, you know, everywhere I go. You don't have to do that because you're constantly nurturing your body. And we get most of our energy from breathing, not from food, not from drink, from breathing. And so if you're not getting that efficiently, if you're stressing yourself out throughout the day, yeah, you can stop for 20 minutes a day and do breathing exercises. This is what most people do. And they say, okay, I'm good to go. Now I'm going to go back and get stressed out again and uh, just be on with my day. And I'll just wait for those 20 minutes. And you know, that 20 minutes helps, but it's not fixing the core issue. And this is why yogis don't really need to do breathing exercises. People who don't live in an industrialized environment don't need to do breathing exercises because they're breathing in this very nurturing way throughout the day. It reminds me when I met someone, uh, I was in India and I was like, none of these people do yoga. The only people doing yoga are the gringos or they're, they're it's everyone from, from like the U S and England and Germany. These are the only people showing up for yoga classes. The locals are like, well, we don't need to do that because throughout the day, we're doing natural yoga poses in everything we do. And you watch the flow of these people walking. You watch how they cook. You watch how they get onto a bus. And it's just completely different than this aggro, elbows out, aggressive way of dealing with every moment. So one trick that worked for me, I have no idea if it's going to work for you or any of the listeners, but it worked for me and it's free and it's really easy, okay, is I have to sit in front of a computer most days of for hours at a time it's just that's the reality of my job and i get stressed out like anyone else especially if they've forgotten a password oh they changed the password like all the crap that we have to deal with day to day if you set a timer on your phone to just ring once and when it rings once to take in a breath hold to a count of four taking another breath on top of that breath hold to a count of two and then let it out. So again, let's take in a breath. Hold to a count of four. Take in another breath. Hold to a count of two. And let it out. Do this pattern about three to four times. You can continue working while you're doing this. You can answer your emails. You can remember your password, whatever. And I think you're going to notice something happen to your body. A lot of that stress that is building up will tend to dissipate and come back into your control. And so if people want to do that, they are invited to do that. If you don't want to do it, then, then don't do it. But little tricks like that, I think, are as effective as, you know, getting a, a breathing certification somewhere else, even though those are, those are very helpful. But I think you start with the, the very simple things first and see how that works for you. The idea about doing your 20 minutes breathing at the end of each day, I agree, you know, there's, there's definitely benefit in it, but it does remind me of getting home at the end of a, a day doing whatever you're doing and flopping down on the sofa or whatever is your thing and saying, oh God, I've had such a long day. 
and then I'm now I'm going to do my relaxing when actually that real-time awareness of saying hold on I can feel now that I'm slightly stressed I can do my relaxation during the day like you said exactly like those the the, the people in, in different cultures maybe who have a different idea because I guess a lot of those people you're talking about are not necessarily you know blessed with enormous wealth and stacks and stacks of food they still have their they have their stresses you could easily say well they could be saying oh my god what about this but the understanding is well this i have this body this life force this life opportunity what can come before that it's a bit like the the mask on the plane you know you you put the mask over you before you put your mask over everyone else it's like before you do anything before you go and work to try to perform well, what's underneath that performance? Well, this life, this piece of life. And how do we nurture, as you said, that piece of life rather than nurture the the identity? And I think that part is, that's absolutely, I mean, I, I, the quote from the yogi is brilliant for me, but just hearing that is also amazing. Because even when we do do the yoga, we turn it into a competition. Again, yeah, you know, just like the the fasting or the tox the detoxification is another thing to take a photo of because I'm doing this pose as opposed to you know, what's so beautifully effective in in other ways. Wow, that's really cool. So, um, something else that's really really interesting to me about the diet side of things, mentioning that real time stress awareness instead of the end of the day reminds me a little bit of that. Okay, I'm going to get to retirement and then I'm going to do my enjoying life. And it's always a bit like, oh, well, God, you know, this would have been good to have done some during. The power of breathing to bring us back to the now in the moment. You've mentioned things like that exercise you gave us there. I've heard you mention before things about box breathing um, or the the four, four, six, uh, two count, I think it was. Things like that I find fascinating also because it's when you're doing a breathing exercise or you're engaging your breathing, it's very difficult to be worrying about something else when you're very much focused on that core kind of bodily sort of functional or whatever it is. And also it's kind of like if you hold your breath for a long time, you're not really going to think about anything else too much whilst you're kind of working on that. But also there's this idea about this finding around the the lung capacity and the lung size, which I find astounding. And I think we're almost building a picture here of how can we not get interested in breath when we're hearing these things? Would you would you be would you mind sort of unfolding that one for us a bit around what's been found in that lung sure. area? So after around the age of thirty, we'll lose pulmonary function. Our lungs will start getting smaller, and women are especially hit hard by this. By the time we get to about seventy-five to eighty have the same lung capacity as we did when we were 14 or 15 years old. So it really drops off precipitously. But the one good thing about the lungs is you can change them at any age. So the, these it, the lungs are very different from the liver or the kidney. But by doing constant practice and lung expansion activities, you can actually inhibit that shrinkage, that entropy of the lungs. And it's no coincidence that all yoga is really is a breathing practice and a stretching practice that is focused on respiration, that is focused on the lungs. And there's been a ton of research, various studies that have looked at lung size and lung health and longevity. And what they found is the larger your lungs are, the longer you're going to live. That's what the data is telling us. 
So, which so, makes so sense. Are you are you saying that that the evidence that we would like to see, which we some people tend to go by, but the size of your biceps is not the same thing. <laughs> that doesn't lead to longevity because I, you know, we're doubling down on that. That study has yet to be done. I'm sure it's some very smart person is out there measuring yeah. biceps over the years <laughs> yes, for the next exactly. 70 years and seeing if if the dudes who are more ripped live live longer. No one knows as of now, but what we do know is lung size is extremely important. And of course it is. Like if you think about it, the time when you really need to conserve your energy, the time that you don't want to be wasting your body away and constantly overtaxing yourself is when you're older, when you're more susceptible to problems, when your body isn't as strong as it was. So why would you want to be breathing like this? When you could breathe very fluidly and very slowly, in order to do that, you need to have proper lung function and your lungs need to be big enough. I can't tell you, once you start reading into this, look around next time you're on the train or on a flight. I was just flying back last night. Guy right next to me, older dude. I wish I could have said something to, to help him, but you know, he was in his own zone watching this TV with his headset. But just shoulders crunched over. I could hear him breathing the whole time. And your body can compensate for a while, but after a certain amount of time, it's just going to wear down. And this is something we can take control of. And again, the science is so clear that the less stress you have in your body, the more efficiently it's running, the better off you're going to be at defending yourself against chronic illnesses and restoring your health. I mean, that's absolutely true. And people think that breathing can't do all that. Try it out. See what it can do for you. But I guess that's it, isn't it? That's what it all comes down to. It all comes down to kind of saying, try it out. And, and like you said before, it's not something you say, well, as can be the way for the, the quick fix mentality. Well, I tried it today and nothing's happened. You know, I'm not floating. I'm not walking on water. I'm not 15 years younger. But what else are you going to do? What else are you going to work on if you're not going to work on this first? And the beauty of what you just said, so, so powerful, is that the opportunity is there, as we've been discussing, that the breathing, it, it can add more years to your life, but it also puts more life into those years. It's the winner in every way. And when you mention that we inherit things like perhaps uh, and this is what's such a powerful part, I think, of the, the podcast is that we do inherit a lot of things. We inherit some conditioning. We inherit some ideas. We inherit an, a bit of an idea of who we are to a degree. We also build that up ourselves. We might inherit you know, genetics and what have you. But what we're starting to find is that there's so much work we can do with this. Whereas we've shut down, as I said before at the beginning, to that concept of I am who I am. This is me. And yet what you just said there about try it. Try it and stick with it and see, is this really you? Are these really your limits? And then if they're not your limits, then what are your limits? For sure. And I want to be clear. I don't want to sound like an evangelist on this stuff. So breathing did a lot for me. I've met at this time probably hundreds to thousands of people who have really transformed their health. But I also want to state that I'm a reporter, first and foremost. I'm a journalist. I went out into the field. I talked to dozens and dozens and dozens of, of leading researchers into the field. I looked over 
thousands of, of scientific studies. And this is what the science says. So you can take this information and say, it's a bunch of BS. I don't want to do it. And I don't care. That's fine. <laughs> uh, but m my job is, is to provide the information. You can make your own decision on what you want to do. I hate when people yell at me, oh, you can't eat that. Oh, you know, you're out to dinner and some, some dude is there telling you about uh, the oxalate content and, and the sweet potatoes you're eating. Y you know, I understand that stuff's important. There's a time and a place, but I don't want a, someone harping at me. Uh, you can look at, at the science here. You can see how it can help you out. You can also look at how much this is going to cost to adopt throughout your day. And the answer is zero dollars. Um, or zero pounds or zero euros, where, wherever you are. So I'm excited about this stuff. It's done a lot for me. I was just at a conference on Saturday. People's lives have been totally transformed. People who had asthma no longer have asthma. People who had hypertension no longer have it. I, I mean, I keep hearing these stories that just echoes over and over and over again. And I think that this is a more responsible way of, of distributing information about health is, is not to tell people, but all I think people deserve is an option. Uh, I was not given options when I came in complaining about having bronchitis, right? It's antibiotics. That is the only thing you can do. Now get out of here. So uh, if you have options, then you can make up your mind as to which path you want to go into. And a lot of breathing is complementary to what you're doing already. So it can be a good fit. I think that's kind of the beauty of this for me, one thing to say is you might say you're not an absolute evangelist or this is, you know, you're a reporter or whatever. I could say that, you know, I'm the guy that used to kick some balls around for a living, but what you have is a, you have a powerful message underpinned by a devoted sort of, or just a devotion to it. And it's something, it's an offering and it's an incredibly powerful offering of which it can simply be there for people to come to now to come back to to find it isn't something you ram down i mean excuse the pun it's not something you ran down someone's throat you just you are almost saying have a look at this because i think there's whereas i don't think you can find a truth to anything with the individual nature of everyone the unique nature of everyone what you can do is say there's some you know if you had to put your money down and say where's my investment going to pay me in the now and in the future we're not in a bad space here. If this was a stock market, we'd be like, this has got, this has got some legs, this one. The good news about breathing is it's different than, uh, you know, going on a diet where you're not going to see results for a few weeks or maybe even a few months. Like I think about how many people have gone keto. That's really hard to do. Like massive lifestyle change to go keto. And you're really only going to see those benefits after a few weeks. What's really cool about breathing is you can practice that, that breath in a few seconds, you can feel something happening. And if you're apprehensive and you're skeptical and you say, oh, it's called a placebo effect, that's what's happening. Measure what happens to your body and then breathe again. And you can see for yourself, especially at nighttime, this is just something I want to mention. You can breathe well in the day. And that'll make a huge difference for a lot of people, improving your breathing in the daytime. But if you're a snorer or if you have sleep apnea at night, all those improvements are going to go out the window. So you have to be looking at this stuff 24 hours, 
seven days a week. How am I breathing? Am I breathing dysfunctionally at night? Do I snore? Do I have sleep apnea? Do I have sleep disordered breathing, upper airway resistance syndrome, any of those things? You have to focus on that. And that's the one thing I will be an evangelist about is, is this is a silent killer. It's finally getting some big press right now. And it's just going to blow the doors off of, of healthcare institutions because people keep having all of these chronic issues that are tied to their breathing at night and no one's looking at it. And I think they should be looking at it more. Yeah, definitely. And I think going back to what we're saying is that if this thought process can come in just before the, which was a big one for me, how am I doing? What are people thinking of me? Am I succeeding? Well, before that question, how am I breathing? (laughs) What if that came first? Because I think one of the interesting things we're talking about here is the breathing comes in conjunction almost as a silent partner of relaxation, of awareness, of patience, of slowing down, of coming back to yourself. All of these things, when you say, right, let's do that breathing exercise uh, of breathe, hold, breathe again, and then release, you're kind of like, well, when you first take that on, you go straight to yourself. You go straight to the subtleties of what it feels like. You have to, and already it's a beautiful kind of almost in through the back door association with a deeper journey which is to come back to that realization that actually before this is something i think would be amazing a bit more in the education period which is forever but certainly in the younger moments have been like we get so interested with what's happening around us without actually coming to us first to sort of learn about the creator the the perceiver the that we are that's really huge i, I wonder if if just as a, a kind of like a a little bit of a move on this but something that fascinates me a little bit if if you looked too much at the the role perhaps of accelerated conditioning that comes from the more traumatic events the more extreme intense reactions to things because i know a lot of the breathing when you talk about that transformative nature can often result in releasing a lot of deeper stored emotion and this i know i don't want you to feel like you're you're sort of like uh, talking about something that that you know or whatever it is but for me i find that fascinating in that it's again it's one of those things that comes in where you think oh I'll do some breathing but actually when channeled it can actually unlock things which may have been hidden or seem almost impossible to reach absolutely and this is where i think breathing practices come in so handy. So, you know, it's a way of cleaning the plate and starting anew. And I hope I wasn't sounding too much like a critical jerk when I was like, you can't just do 20 minutes a day and think you're on with it. That 20 minutes a day is what has completely saved me in my work life over the past uh, few years. So, so that's what I do. I also try to pay attention to how I'm breathing throughout the day, but I really look forward to that release and sometimes for, for people who are really tightly strung, they need repeated releases to get down to neutral. And so there are a number of different breathing practices you can do. There's Wim Hof method. A lot of people are doing that. This is great. Sudarshan Kriya, which is great. Pranayamas are great. Kriyas are great. You know, so uh, I don't care which one you do because, again, they're all means to the same ends, which is it's taking this pressure release valve 
in your nervous system and it's blowing it off and allowing you to come back down to normal. People call it superhuman breathing and all this. No, I call it human breathing. This is our natural state is not to be stressed out all the time. Our natural state is to be chilled out. And then when it's time to run into action, to be fully on, fully engaged, and then to turn it back off. I look at my dog, you know, running around, she'll sprint her ass off and then she'll come back and just be completely chilled out. Someone will come up to the door and she'll absolutely freak out and sound ferocious. Two minutes later, she's asleep, right? I, I don't think humans have that ability anymore to turn this thing on and off like that, which I think we need to be able to do, which is why these 20 minute long sessions, you can do it for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever, allows you to just go in and control the nervous system, turn it off, start again. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's huge. And again, it, the, the most exciting part about this, I think, is that there isn't this kind of space, I think, yet where people are saying, oh, if you do this, this is what it looks like, which you get with the weight training. You know, if you do this, you'll put on this much muscle and you could look like this. It's very defined, but with breathing, it's almost like saying, look, you're heading into your own unknown a little bit with this. And I think that's exciting. And the first, best thing about being a, a sportsman in a way was the unknown of, of the job. You know, it wasn't kind of right. Each weekend had this feeling of like, who knows how this could go. And actually, I think that's a really nice surprise that can, that can fuel that kind of, as you mentioned, I look forward to the breathing. I look forward to doing my meditation at night because I'm almost like, I don't know what's, what it's going to do and how it's going to shape. And I don't know how it's going to, appear but certainly you mentioned about those key moments before uh, at night time before sleep and for me the morning is another good one to set those little sessions whether it's 20 or whatever it is but really really powerful and the other part you mentioned there is about the the animal world you know looking at deer or whatever that that or wildebeest or, or that sprint away from predators and then they quickly check their back and say, I think it's gone brilliant. And then they just straight back to eating grass. And you're thinking, well, if that was a human, you know, the whole life is spent watching your back. And then, you know, you don't, if you do eat the grass, you eat it completely stressed. It's amazing. They have this capacity, um, but definitely a, a really powerful one. So listen, I'm, I'm not going to keep you too much long because it's, it's been absolutely fascinating and, and I could go on forever. But this thing that really inspires me is the fact that the breathing, I think it's one of those things that it's going to pay you back with what you pay to it. And to see that some people you know, dedicate their lives to it and with that journey that goes with it, and it can reveal itself in so many incredible ways, but it's definitely one of those that has excitement around it for me. And I can't, I genuinely feel that now in terms of having really exhausted the physical training areas, the diet areas, the mind visualization areas and the intentions and the meditations. I'm now kind of like all oh, breathing. And as we've spoken today, I'm fascinated and very f sort of motivated by this more years in the life, more life in those years and this unknown of what it can bring. What, with everything you're doing, what's the next step for you? What's interesting you going forward with this? And what do you see as a kind of vision, if you like, for your book on the breath, the new science for lost art? What does, what's been the idea around what this could do for people? And how do you see the world moving if people do commit to this fully as, as much as they can? Well, I think everyone takes something different from it. Some people want to breathe better for sports performance. Some people want to breathe better for focus. 
some people want to breathe better because they think they can increase their metabolism, lose more weight and all that's fine, but we're all breathing all the time. So uh, you mentioned this earlier on in our chat that if you're just focusing uh, just a little bit of your time on how you're breathing, it, it can make a difference. You can start to move the needle a little ways. So, you know, I, everyone keeps asking me, they're like, you know, when's breath two coming out? We can't wait. Uh, it's never coming out. I'm never, this is, <laughs> I, I spent enough years, you know, writing this book and this is, this is my book about breathing. And, and I, I hope that, that people can take some of the lessons that I learned that I just sort of regurgitated on the page as, as a journalist is wont to do and to get benefit from it, because I certainly saw so many benefits from it. And it's, it's irrefutable, uh, the sciences at this time. Um, so I guess that the good thing that's come out of it, I think this has a lot less to do with my book and a lot more to do with the fact that we're just coming off of a global uh, pandemic that affected the respiratory system. So people got real interested in breathing all of a sudden, <laughs> because I think that's only when we lose something that we, that we want it back. I think that's what really kicked this into gear. But just like nutrition, just like exercise, I don't view this as some trend. You know, the ancients have been studying this stuff for thousands and thousands of years. You breathing is a fundamental part of health. And if you want to be healthy in other areas, you have to also be healthy in the way in which you're breathing. And who knows where it will take you personally. And I think that's the fun part of it. Definitely. Well, that's beautiful. I, I, uh, I can't thank you enough. Thank you also for everything you've devoted yourself to, all your works and, and for sharing all of it. Like you said, the message is a phenomenal one, a powerful one that people can look into, explore. And I think, you know, I'm going to ask the, the people listening to this to, to report. I'd love to hear what, what, like you said, what's around the corner for them when you, you give that time to yourself and that time to your life force, which, like you said, provides far more energy than everything else around us. And especially what it can do for sleep and everyday engagement and all those things. So, uh, James, thank you so much. Uh, I can't, uh, yeah, I can't say it enough, but uh, just brilliant. It's been amazing having you on and uh, good on you. Thanks a lot for having me. So that's it for another episode of I Am. It's brilliant to be sharing this unfolding experience with you all. If you'd like to get in touch with either me or the guest, then all the information you need is in the show notes. I welcome all and any feedback. I really want all of you to have a hand in guiding the feel of this show and the path of the conversation as well. So just keep them coming in. And until next time, I'm Johnny Wilkinson, and this has been I Am. This show is brought to you by Max Creative. The executive producer is Megan Hill-Smith. Assistant producer is Alex Macy. That's all for this week's episode of I Am. Before you go, a big thank you to Vivo Life, our podcast partner, who deliver affordable, natural and UK-made supplements straight to your door. Vivo Life perfectly embodies the principles we're discussing here at I Am, and we're excited for you to experience their products firsthand. As a special offer for our listeners, they're currently offering their biggest sale ever. Use the code IAMPODCAST, all in capital letters, to receive 40% off your initial purchase and an additional 15% discount on subsequent orders with a subscription. Visit www.vivolife.co.uk to explore their complete range of products and discover how they can help you unleash your full potential.